Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On today's episode, Pastor Chuck will begin a new message, which has been titled, From Persecutors to Proclaimers. This message is the next in the series of messages surrounding grace, and the text for this message can be found in Acts chapter 9. For this message specifically, Pastor Chuck will dial in to verses 4 and 5. We apologize in advance. There is some microphone issues during our church service during this message. If you have your Bibles, please turn them to Acts chapter 9 right now as we join in with Pastor Chuck. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Acts chapter 9. I'll be reading verses 1 through 17. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging, underline or highlight or keep in mind this phrase, to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3, now as he went on... Saul still breathing threats. Hold on. Where am I at? Verse 3. There we go. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise into the city and you will be told what you are to do. Then men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Lord... And the Lord said to him, excuse me, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Verse 17, lastly, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So we've been, uh, as a church family, we have just recently celebrated four years of the Lord's faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, his steadfast love. And we've entered into year number five. Five is the biblical number for grace. It also means harmony and union. And so I can see, Mr. Peter, how the Lord is ushering us into an understanding of what it means to live in harmony not just with him, but also with one another. The grace of the Lord Jesus, as you know, it's sufficient. If you've been through just a little bit of something, you know in that moment, in your weakness, God's strength was made absolutely perfect in your life. And as you have journeyed over and over and over again with the cares and the trials and the weights of life, God, if you are his child, God has always made it clear to you that I am with you. And in me, you lack absolutely nothing. Can we just thank Jesus right there for that for just one second? You ain't never had to want for nothing. You ain't never had to ask for nothing. In him, you had access to all his very great and precious promises. Amen? And so we have been led by the Holy Spirit to see this again, to be reminded of the Lord's goodness, what we have told, uh, termed as vision. This is our vision month. We want to be captivated again by his goodness. We want the Lord to do what he did for King David, to restore to us the joy of his salvation. Cast us not away from his presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from us. Create us a clean heart and renew a right spirit with inside of us. And uphold us with the willing spirit so that we can teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return unto you. God always has a purpose, Jay. His purpose is to save and redeem. And so because of that, he started off letting us know in this vision month, as we've been looking at this particular passage of scripture that the Lord has been causing us and calling us to sit in, B. Griff, from Acts chapter 9, sis, that we have been looking at what grace is. What grace, how grace should be playing out in the life of a believer. And so the first thing that we saw from this is that we are vessels of grace. That was the very first message. And we looked at that from verse 15 where it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. We learned that the, the Greek word for instrument means vessel or container or jar. And we learned from that that we are made from grace that we are to be filled with grace, and that we're used for grace. The next message that we had, we looked at amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, let me say it like this. Let me, let me remix it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like we. We once were lost. Now we've been found. We were blind. Now we... Don't leave me out there by myself like I'm not the only one that has been uh, saved and experienced this amazing grace. It has redeemed us. It has set us free. It has made us whole. It has made us new. It has removed the scales from our eyes. It has caused us to see and be in awe of the greatness and goodness of King Jesus. Don't get me happy this morning. Brother Jonathan, talk about the goodness of the Lord Jesus this morning. And we learn that from that, that grace is not just substance, it is our Savior. 
It's also the in and out working of his steadfast love in our lives. And there were three key things that we learned from that. We learned that grace is God. That grace is also God's power. And grace also has God's purpose. And so today we're going to dive a little deeper. We're going to go a little bit deeper because we want to understand this grace because we are his instruments, chosen instruments to bring forth his love here in the earth, to bring forth his truth here in the earth, to bring forth his joy here in the earth, to bring forth his peace here in the earth, to bring forth his hope here in the earth, to bring him, to represent him here in the earth. And so we're going to see from this today from Acts chapter 9, and I want us to focus in on two verses, verses 4 through 5 today. Verse 4, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who, 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 me? Don't you find that interesting? That here it is, Saul who has been given a license to kill. And he's on his way to a city called Damascus. In Damascus, there were a lot of Jews there that had left from Jerusalem because of persecution. And here he has a license from the authorities to go kill him, to go persecute and eventually, if needed to, kill him. And so here he is on his way to this city that is a city of refuge. Ain't that just like the enemy? As soon as you get saved, as soon as you get to a place of peace, then all of a sudden, here comes persecution on this journey. Anybody ever been there? Don't just leave me out there today, D. I told you I was going to need you to help me preach today. It's just like the enemy. As soon as you get to a place of healing, as soon as you get your deliverance, as soon as you get your right mind, here comes the enemy trying to do what? Steal, kill, and Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Let's get a little bit of understanding. What, what is persecution? What is, what, what is a persecutor? Well, it's defined as this biblically as a person who persecutes someone, especially for their race, political, or religious beliefs. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I ain't do that to Jesus. I haven't persecuted nobody for their race, political, or religious beliefs. Got some stories in this room that that is true. It even extends out a little bit more that even they even include gender as well in that definition. That someone can get persecuted for that. And if we're not careful, we have, some of us have crossed the fine line and we have spoken ill. Maybe you didn't physically do it, but Jesus called us up to a higher standard. You may not have gotten the, and hear me lovingly, hear me loosely on this, right? You may not have literally taken the knife and stabbed somebody to death, but how have you thought of them in your mind? That's the standard Jesus called us up to. So maybe we have persecuted our own. And she thinks she, she's so holy. 
How dare she sit in my seat? Oh, we got ways that this has happened. I want to put a disclaimer out there. Today, I'm going to speak with, with a general posture in mind. Because I know once I get into the real meat of the matter, what I'm going to talk about today, what the Lord is going to have me to talk about today, I'm going to be honest, online family, Ashley Benetton, folk can get in their feelings. Pastor included. And so I'm going to generally speak as best I can. I might add a little specificity in there somewhere just to give us a better way to understand the subject matter, but I'm speaking generally, right? Because today, what I want to talk about is the church. Oh, you, you, it, it didn't take long for you to get that, did it? Right? We'll talk about the church. Because Saul was persecuting God's people. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're actually doing that to me. And I want to call us and cause us to a refreshing of our understanding so we can now take on the right posture of reverence for the church God's bride. And if we're honest, Mr. Charles, we have not handled her well in these days. The way we talk about the church is so disrespectful now. The way we hold her, the way we care for her, the way we serve her, we have gotten out of alignment. And so you may say, well, I ain't having persecuted. Well, what about this? What about how have you grieved the Holy Spirit as it relates to your commitment and your connection to his bride? Oh, what does grieve mean? Grieve means to make sad or sorrowful. This same apostle would later on write to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. He would say, let no corrupt talking come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave who? We looked at this also recently as we looked at understanding the grace of God. We looked at this from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. God brought us out of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his marvelous son. He did that and he paid a significant price for it. 
it being his bride, it being each and every one of us. So therefore, we need to govern ourselves accordingly. This church is more than just four walls and a music team. This church is where the Spirit of the Lord dwells. This church was on Jesus' mind when he hung on Calvary's cross and said, Father, forgive them, for I know not what they do. Why, oh why, do we treat her as if she's other? What has happened to the ones that have been called out? That's what the assembly is. The Greek word for the assembly or the gathering is ekklesia. It means called out ones. The Lord, by his grace, because of the steadfast love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ Jesus. He seated us in the heavenly realm. He called us out of darkness, according to Colossians chapter 1, and transferred us into the kingdom of his marvelous son, as I just said. And therefore, that calls us to have a right reverence, a respect for the bride known as the church. It gives us an identity, and that identity should be that we are people who are humble, not haughty. People who are helpful, not hurtful. People who are holy, not unholy. And that's where we'll stop and pause for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you would like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us for our next episode as Pastor Chuck continues his message, which has been titled, From Persecutors to Proclaimers. 